So, very briefly, because this word is about uh, transformation, it's the way of the Spirit. That's the theme, and this is part one, and next week you'll get part two. My testimony is that if you, if you, how many of you are teachers of the English language? Teachers, who knows the phonetics and the verbs and the tenses and the, thank you. Anybody else? Okay, thank you. And my testimony is this, that uh, so why do I ask about these teachers? Because they'll pick up. What will they pick up? They'll pick up from me certain sentence structures, certain pronunciations, and all of those things in the English language, which I'm still learning. English is a peculiar language. I do not know, and they can help me, why P-U-T is put and B-U-T is but. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand that, the pronunciation and the whatever. But here's my testimony. I did not know English. I knew something about it because I was brought up in a very English environment, went to a school that was simply one of the best in Sri Lanka, immaterial of what others from Sri Lanka who go to schools in Sri Lanka say, I consider that the best, because right opposite that is another school. It's a school of life, uh, not academics, called the jail, the prison. <laughs> and I went to a school called Wesley College, and uh, my last class uh, was the window still can see the prison. Not the inside, but the outside of it. And my master, my last class master would say that if you don't learn here, you will learn there. <laughs> anyway, make a long story short, um, I thought I knew English until I went for my theological studies and I went to study Greek I love languages so I went to study Greek which is part of the curriculum part of the syllabus but I chose Greek and Hebrew as a language subject uh, couldn't go any further for the simple reason that I didn't know English I spoke English but I didn't know English And uh, I have never been humiliated. I've been humiliated many times, but not like this. We are in front of all the students. I was informed by my professor that I need to learn English and come if I wanted to learn Greek. And here was I thinking that I knew English because every other student was not from an English-speaking environment. Their 
English to them was their second language, whereas English to me was my first language. So I had to get up from the class and leave because he didn't want to waste time with me until I learned the English language. The other thing that you need to know about me is that um, I did not get through any of my exams. You know, the O-levels, they call it the O-levels. So I would come up to, the, to grade 11 and then go up to grade 12 and when I get my results, I come back. <laughs> so I'd go up and down, and I did this three times. I studied and did my very best according to my ability, but I ended up with two credits and a pass. The next year, I didn't study at all. I gave myself to play hockey. I ended up with the same two credits and a pass. <laughs> so I wonder, I gave up my schooling. And when I was giving up my schooling, I left it because I was suspended from playing any sports because I was radical in my fierce competitiveness. And so I walked out of the field a very important game of hockey, and I was suspended. I lost what you call colors. They give you, you know, you get colors when you're one of those top guys. Uh, they welcome you to the Hall of Fame. But uh, as I got grace, I also got disgrace. And so I get up my studies and I went up to my principal and he gave me a lesson I have never ever forgot. He was like a father to me. So he said, why do you want to leave? I said, I've finished studying. And he looked at me and he said, son, you may finish a number of things, but you will never ever finish learning and studying. And with that, I walked out of school and uh, didn't have much of an education, didn't have much of a background, didn't have much of anything. But today, by the grace of God, I have a double doctorate. And one of the reasons I went to Sri Lanka was to receive, as they come forward, conferred on me the second doctorate, and uh, that's an astonishing. How did all this happen? Because of Psalm 119, verse 130. At the entrance of your word gives light, making wise the simple. I was Absolutely simple. I believe I still am. <laughs> That's left for you to say. But the word of God transformed me. 
it took a hold of me. I, I passionately fell in love with the word of God. It is my meditation day and night. And I know my health, my lifestyle, everything depends on this powerful word. To me, this is not a book. It's not a Bible. Bible simply means a library of books. You go home and uh, you look at all your commentaries, you look at all your books. That's a library. It's the same as this. The Bible simply means a library of books. And if you take this as a Bible, which you can, and everybody I would recommend you to take it as your library, that's a good place to start. You know where I started when I started with the Word of God, with the Bible? At the index. <clears throat> Before I started Genesis chapter 1, I'm still there. <laughs> I started memorizing the index. I never went into reading until I memorized the index. And then I took my first step. I honestly don't know what I read first. I may have read John or Matthew or one of these things because... As always, the good teachers say, don't go into the Old Testament. Uh, start with the New Testament. I don't know the difference. Because to me, it's all the Word of God. It's not the Old Testament that is obsolete. It's the Old Covenant. You understanding that? So don't allow anybody to tell you, no, 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 no. Because all scripture is inspired, all, to Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired. That means old and new. Amen. And it's profitable. It brings forth fruit. That's what we sang. And if you and I learn to live by this word, you would see some amazing things happening to you. It transformed my thinking. It transformed my way of life. It continues to transform my way of life. And I can never be undone. I'm always amazed when I open this awesome word. I'm just giving you this as an introduction to the way of the Spirit. The other thing that I have learned is that I don't read the Bible. I voice the Bible. I speak it. I confess it. Because God does not This may be a shocker for you. Even God doesn't want to hear his word. Do you know that?
God wants to hear his voice. If you turn to Psalm 103 and verse 20, you don't need to, but you can, when you go back home. He doesn't hear his word. He hears the voice of his word. And to understand that, you need to understand a little bit of Hebrew and Aramaic. Every letter in the Hebrew, not that Hebrew is the language of God, no language can be compared to the language of God. God's language is not Hebrew, Arabic, English, Sinhalese, Tagalog, anything. God's language, if you read Hebrews chapter 1 in the Passion Bible, you would see God's language is his son. And his son's language is from his heart. It's his mind. Are you with me? And so I would memorize this chapter by chapter. I would, and I would speak it out. I'd voice it. Because when I read, when I voice the word, I hear his voice. This contains... Not letters. This contains his voice. A lot of people have said, how do you hear his voice? I just say, I simply speak the word. Are you with me? Because his word, and this is where I want to now step in. His word contains his way. And that's why Psalm 103 would, and verse 7 would say that Moses knew his way. But the people of Israel knew his acts. Now you may know his works. But you may not know his way. Are you understanding it? Because in Psalm 78, you would see that the people of Israel experienced his works more than even you and I. You know, money appearing in your uh, bank account or whatever this morning, money appeared in this pocket of mine. So it's, it's not something that is, you know, the, the miracles that these guys experienced in the old covenant cannot be touched or compared to some of the things that you and I are experiencing. Our miracles should supersede and go beyond. But it's not happening. And I'll tell you why, as we study his way. It's because we don't know his way. <clears throat> you see, you don't need a miracle in your life. 
You don't need a miracle. You are the miracle. And if you are the miracle, the only thing that you can always produce is what you have. And that is a miracle. I, I love the testimonies. Spirit of prophecy is the spirit of testimony. I love it. And some of the things that happened in Sri Lanka this time were phenomenal. Phenomenal. People, a child, a young girl, deaf from birth, began to hear. Blind eyes were opened. Scars leaving the body. Unbelievable. But believable. But these are just natural. They're normal. Shouldn't stun us. We should be thankful. We should be grateful. It's the unbeliever who should be amazed, not you and me. And these miracles are for them to believe, not for you and for me. It strengthens us. But here's a miracle. Here's a miracle. A man who swam nine miles on the Pork Strait, that is, from India to Sri Lanka. He swam nine miles for one purpose and one purpose alone. To give his life for a cause. As a suicide bomber. He carried the, the soil of his land up in the north. And would every day say that one day I will die for you. He made that soil his God. And one day he swam. He's Sri Lankan, but he swam. He fled to India because of the war and because he was one of the many uh, freedom fighters. You have to be, you know, what they call, what do they call it? Diplomatic? What? Politically correct, okay. So he swam. For this reason. And he got caught. He was apprehended. And in the midst of that place of imprisonment. He met with the miracle maker. He met with the Lord. And today. He's an absolutely amazing pastor. That's a miracle. And I can talk to you about miracles of these people. But I want you to know, Lord, please, I want you to know, I'm not belittling the absolute fantastic healing miracles. But this is what Jesus promised, yeah? These signs will follow those who believe. They follow us, we don't follow them. 
And the Lord is with us, confirming his word. Are you with me? Why do I say this? Because we need to be restored into knowing and believing his way. So what I like to share with you today is about <laughs> neuroplasticity. Don't, don't get uh, disturbed by the word here. Yeah? You know what? Simply, neuro means mind. Plasticity means change. In the Greek, it's called metanoia or metamorphosis. The scientists and all these people would use this word. It's a creative change. Plasticity is a creative change. And I want to talk to you about the ability and the power that is resident in you to be a creator and to have the ability to change your thinking that will take you beyond. That's what metanoia means. The conventional, traditional teaching of metanoia means you're going one way, do a 180 degree turn and go the other way. We call it change. But metanoia comes from two words in Greek. Meta, which means beyond. And noia means nous, from the Greek word nous, which means the mind. In other words, it's asking us to go beyond the mind. Beyond the natural thinking, beyond the natural way of thinking. And that is where we need to live constantly in the supernatural. Because we are wired for that. We are called to live in the supernatural mind. The frame of reference is always the supernatural. And so if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and this is another section of scripture that I camp in and have not yet come out. And I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and I start reading from verse 10. Today I brought my usual Bible because I'm, I'm going from old to new, all of that. And the Passion Bible doesn't have the old, sadly, at the moment. It will have the Old Testament, but we'll wait for it. Verse 7, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. We speak the mystery of God. To us today, the wisdom of God is no longer a, a mystery. It must not be a mystery. It's no longer hidden from us, it's hidden for us. And we need to tap into its resources. And it is there, it's all over us, it's out there. It's called the Logos. The word Logos 
You know, people emphasize on the rhema, but they're interchangeable. The word logos simply means the knowledge, integrity, character, plans and purposes of God. And it's all over there. It's all out in the atmosphere. Psalm, 100, Psalm 19 says it's gone into the atmosphere. When did it go? When he spoke and he said, be light. And his word came forth. And his word came forth and produced the very thing that he spoke of. That's all his word can do. Produce what it is meant to go out for. He voices it. Because in the voice there is a frequency. And in that frequency there is an energy. And there is power. So Psalm 107 verse 20 says that he sent forth his word and healed and delivered. He sent forth his word. He spoke his word. And what, what amazes me is how many Christians spend time with his word. When you spend time with his word, you're spending time with him. You're saying to him, I love your voice. Those who are in love for the very first time, they, they are on one side of the phone and the man or woman is on this side. And they, they just say, wow. Today they got so familiar that to hear the voice of the wife or the husband is jarring. Yeah? <laughs> Stop it, woman. That's what's happened. They become very familiar. And we think that because we know a scripture, we think that we have experienced the scripture. You will never know a scripture until you experience it. And you have, you, you have the authority to speak of a scripture only when you have experienced it. Are you with me? Does that help you? Yeah. And so we know the wisdom of God. Why do we know the wisdom of God? Because he has revealed them to us. The things that eye has not seen. I, the natural eye, the natural ear. It's all about the natural. That which they have not heard. We have. The things which God has prepared for those who love him. Did you hear that? Love him. Not just love him in a way of I love you Lord. But have experienced the supernatural love of God. Kirby spoke such an awesome word last Tuesday on the supernaturality of his love. Which is true. Not even unconditional love can be compared to the supernatural love of God. Because unconditional means we have some little say in that. And in the love of God we have no say. 
And we can only love because he first loved us. And that love in Romans 5, 5 is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. It's there. And that love is called by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the last verse, a more excellent way. Now having spoken in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the powerful gifts of the Holy or the manifestations of the Spirit with miracles and word of knowledge in which people get caught up in the razzmatazz of it. Wow, what an awesome thing, yeah, when God downloads something in my thinking about, let's say, Mac, which I've never known about. It's awesome. It's awesome for him. It's awesome for me. The word of knowledge or wisdom that comes and accompanies the word of knowledge. That's awesome. And yet above that, Paul says, I will show you a more excellent way. Because we can experience the power of the supernatural, the phenomenal manifestation of the Holy Spirit, but there is an excellent way. It's called love. And that love is supernatural. And supernatural is supernatural. You know, these guys that I was speaking to you about who have become pastors, there's one guy who is the head of uh, the Apostolic Diocese of Ceylon in, in Jaffna. He has wounds. He has gun. He has bullet marks, five of them. He almost died. He was left for dead. But he rose up. There's another guy I was talking to and he was left for dead after he was shot, point blank, two, three times. Left for dead, he was dragged. Uh, he was a part of that mission uh, at that time. He was dragged and he was put into a mass grave. Mass or mass or how do you pronounce it? Mass. I need that nasal mass. Now I'll have to come to Canada for that, yeah? No problem. That's another thing I don't understand. Depending on your accent. Right. And how do you spell mass or mass? And how, how do you, and, and what's the meaning of mass in Mises? And what is it that our Catholic brothers and sisters celebrate? <laughs> and how, how do they, how do you spell that? <laughs> I rest my case. Anyway. And that is why Paul had to insert a word that was not in the Greek. Called agape. He had to insert it because you cannot define this way of the supernatural love of God. And these guys, and this guy was left for five days in this mass, mass grave <laughs> for dead. 
And then they were bringing a, they brought a bulldozer to start burying all of them. But before that, thank God for this. You know, God has his amazing ways. One soldier went pricking people to see whether they were alive. And this guy, for five days, he was in this grave with all the bodies on top of him. And he was struggling. He was moving. And thankfully, he was pricked and he said, oh! And the soldier cried out to his commanding officer and said, he's alive. And he said, bring him to me. And he brought him. And the commanding officer put a Bible in his hand. And he said, go and don't do this again. And today he leads an amazing ministry in Sri Lanka. They were celebrating his, or they were having his funeral when he walks in. <laughs> they had just come back from a symbolic funeral of him. And they were mourning his funeral or celebrating, I don't know what, when he walks in, in his underwear. I can go on with this story, but just for you to know that today he has no bitterness, anger. And you know what? Watch this now, the miraculous way of love. When he recovered and he went back uh, to meet the commanding officer um, because he needed a letter as well to go back to Colombo, they told him that his, the commanding officer is dead. He said, when did this happen? And then he noted two days after this guy was given release. Two days after he got up and went home. That's the way of love. It's an amazing way. But here it's saying that no eye has seen. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. And so on and so forth it goes. And then down there in 13 and 14 it says that the natural mind or the natural man cannot and will never ever be able to understand the spiritual man. And in verse 16 it says, we have the mind of Christ. Now, it's, it's, it's awesome to know that, right? But in spite of the fact that this amazing word says we have the mind of Christ, we still go through stress. We still go through depression. We still go through anxiety. We still spend sleepless nights worrying we still have fears. And yet, 
we say we have the mind of Christ. Now, we can't have both. Because that is double-mindedness. Are you with me? And unfortunately today, pastors accept that it is possible for people to have worry and, and there's nothing wrong. In other words, what they're saying is it's nothing wrong to sin. Worry is sin. Why is worry sin? Worry is sin because it does not trust in God. And sin is missing the mark. And pastors or counselors or whoever you go to don't mind you worrying. And they say, well, that is normal. That is normal to worry. And they have various words for that. Bipolar. <laughs> this polar, that polar. And they have all sorts of categories for these things. The God that I know does not medicate your mind. The God that I know does not medicate us. Because he's done an amazing work on the cross. It is a finished work. And it has repercussions forever. And that is by his stripes. I am, I was, and forever I will be healed. He did not say to me when he spoke, come to me and I will give you some melatonin. What do you, what do you call it? To go to sleep? Melatonin. Yeah? Come to me and I will give you a Valium. Come to me and I will give you one tiny little tablet. He said, come to me and I will give you rest. Hello. Come to me and I will give you rest. But you got to do something. Take my yoke upon you and learn, not lean. We, we tend to lean and we give shoulders for people to lean on. Lean on me when you're. It's okay, darling. Cry. When a baby needs milk, we're giving lozenges. When a strong man needs meat, we're giving milk. Because somewhere down the line, the church has lost. We have become user-friendly. Is this okay? You're not angry? Now, we say we have the mind of Christ. But when somebody gets a hold of our goat, they call it the goat. That's a nice word. We suddenly, <laughs> we get mad. 
We get angry. And then we say, it's okay. Hello. We are doing not a restoration. We are doing a reformation. It should never be a reformation. We are not reformed people. We are restored people. We are regenerated. Titus 3, 5 speaks of the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And that word regeneration comes from two Greek words. Which means a new life of thinking. To regenerate. Is a new life of thinking. Is the same that is found in Romans 12 too. The renewing of your mind. Metamorphosis is. But the mind. The renewing of it. It's a new way of thinking. It's not our way. It's. His way. And you know why? Because we are so selfish. You know, we think that Jesus came to die for us. And die as us. And that's all good theology. I'm not going in there. But what we don't realize is that he didn't come for either primarily. He came to do the will of his father. Which contains this. Our redemption, our regeneration is a part of that. But he came to die for his father. He came to die for his father. For what? To reconcile the world unto the father. Are you getting this? The moment we talk of salvation, the moment we talk of all of these things that we are conventionally taught, we become very selfish. That is why it says you're being bought with a price, therefore you're not your own. Yeah? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you're not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit and body. But what about the mind? What, what about the mind? The noose. The thinking capacity. For that, I want to go a little deep with you. Maybe you know this, but I want to just touch on it briefly and then help you. Thank God I have two sessions so that I can right, rewire you. Revile each one of us just as I've been revived. So here we go. We got the spirit, mind, and body. Just like God is triune, we are triune. Yeah, 1 Thessalonians 5 23 and 24 talks of that. We are a triune being, the God of peace. Sanctify us holy. Sanctify us holy. Spirit, mind, and body. Which means that we need to know these three. It's, it's very typical in theology and very typical in the Christian church that we know the Father, we know the Son, but we don't know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. 
We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know the love of God. But when it comes to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the one who is the executive commander and the executive communicator on this earth, the most important person of the Godhead is the Holy Spirit here on earth. We don't know the spirit, mind, and body operation. So very briefly, let me give you this, right? The spirit is composed of intuition, conscious, and communion or worship. That's your spirit. Intuition is this innate ability to know that which is not acquired knowledge. You've heard the word gut. I got a gut feeling, that kind of thing. Intuition is that leaning of knowledge that you know nothing of through study and acquiring. And into that faculty comes truth of the word. Simple. And when the time is needed, it begins to operate. And then there's the conscience. The conscience is the area in which the holiness of God is in operation. It is the ability to know good from evil. Um, right from wrong, if you like to say it that way, but good from evil. It's the faculty or, or it's the area in which holiness. Now, holiness is not the way you and I think of it. Well, as conventional Christianity teach, holiness is not something that when you do something wrong, you say, oh my God, I have done wrong. The holiness of God never condemns us. And that's why it's the beauty of holiness. Holiness is beautiful. And if you know holiness, you will never get condemned. So when you make a mistake, the conscience just simply says, uh-uh, just rebound. As simple as that. It doesn't bring a condemnation. It doesn't bring a thing, you've gone away from God. No, no, no. Holiness will simply nudge you back into the way of God. And then, of course, worship is the highest form of communication with God. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's the highest form of communion with God. It's called intimacy. Worship is not just songs. Even in worship, there are three levels. Praise, thanksgiving, and worship. Or thanksgiving, praise, and worship. When you thank him, you know who he is. When you praise him, you know he is with you. When you worship him, you know you're a part of him. Hello. Are you okay? Are you with me? Because I'm not with myself at the moment. <laughs> Maybe another cup of coffee would do. <laughs> hint, hint, hint. Right, no problem. <laughs> Here we go. As I, as I teach a little more, I'll get rejuvenated. Okay, so then you get the mind. 
the mind is again made up of three components. The intellect, the emotion, and what is known as free volition or free choice. The intellect is all about knowledge and the ability to know good from evil, etc., etc. The ability to accumulate knowledge from an external source. Like when you study, you, you, your faculty of intellect goes to operation. And your emotions are about your feelings, and then your free will is about your choices. The choices you make. That's your mind. That's your soul. And I would submit to you that every one of these has a heart. Your body has a heart. So your body is also made up of three components. And you, you have a heart, yeah? Your body has a heart? Test it by asking it to stop working. <laughs> and every one of these sections has a brain as well. The mind has a brain, the body has a brain, and the spirit has a brain. So what is the spirit? I told you what the spirit is. I told you what the mind is. And I told you what the body is. It's got the flesh. It's got, they, they call it some, you know, go back and study that exodome and all of that. Don't worry about those words. Just know that. And you want to know whether you've got a body, just take a pin and prick. <laughs> if you want to know that your body is alive, just prick more. I'm serious. I know some people who unfortunately go through with the diabetic condition. Their feet get numbed. They can't feel it. I know a friend of mine who died because he didn't know that he had cut himself. And the bleeding began. And unfortunately, he had to amputate his leg. And after that, he had to uh, do all sorts of things. But he amputated the whole leg but yet nothing happened and he finally succumbed because of that numbness. And if there are anybody here today who's got numbness in the body, bless you. I release you from that. All your nerve endings, it's all to do with the mind. Do you know that the mind, they say 98% of all our illnesses are on the mind now. This is not me, these are neuro... Uh, neurospecialists. I would recommend you read three from three people, a man called Daniel Siegel, a man called Mark Waldeman, and a lady called Dr. Caroline Leaf. I recommend you read them. They, they all speak about the mind. And they're tremendous about neurotuning. And 98%, now they've come to find out that 98% of all our illnesses are based in the mind, especially cancer. And it's based on this thing called fear. So I release you from fear. I speak that your nerve endings will be absolutely free to function in its perfect order. How many of you realize 
that your fearfully and wonderfully created. Psalm 139, verse 14. You are perfect. A lot of people say, well, we were born imperfect. No, no, don't give in to that lie. Everyone is born with light. How deep is that light? How powerful is that light? Jesus spoke about it in the way of, um, in, in Matthew chapter 6, from verse 23, 22 onwards, he speaks about the body being the light and the eye. And if it is sing single, it needs to be single. That means it has to be free from any duplicity. And that I is your mind. And if your eye is single, if your mind is single-minded, not double-minded, then you're free. But listen to this now. If that light which is in you, that's what Jesus says, not I. If that light in you is dark, if that light in you is dark, this is, this is some kind of uh, phenomenal way of talking, right? If that light in you, normally you think there is darkness. No, no, you are light. But if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And that is why you need this mind to be renewed because the mind contains the light. Are you with me? And your mind needs to, your, your mind, you know, you know how many thoughts run through you every day? 40,000 thoughts. That's why it says bring every thought captive. Every thought. Now to bring every thought captive means that you've got to be conscious. Not non-conscious, not unconscious, because it is in there that all your life have these neuron pathways being established. And they are now saying, the, these scientists, neuroscientists are now saying that there are certain, we are like a chemical factory. And there's a chemical, there's a chemistry within us that produces all the necessary chemicals for this mind which has all these neuron pathways which they call branches to be made and kept green and not dry. And that's why I'm like a tree by a stream. I'm bearing fruit. My leaf is green. All that I do is prospering. Why? Because I live by your word. You can pray and pray and pray. You can fast and fast and fast. You can go for every meeting and come up to every conference and stand right in the front and get the best anointed man to lay hands on you. And all these things are good. But if you don't have this word dwelling in your heart richly, richly, Colossians 3, verse 15, richly and 16, richly, the word has to dwell in your heart richly. And Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14 onwards. He prays that I pray that Christ will dwell in your heart why? Isn't he in me? Yes, he's in me. 
But is he dwelling? Is there an intimacy? Intuition, communion, worship. My spirit needs to have an intimacy. I've got these grandchildren, right? Three awesome, 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 unbelievable kids. You know, there are some people who fear me. They don't. There are some people who, you know, like to get on my good side in order to win me. They don't. If I'm in a certain place, especially the shopping malls, and this guy sees me, any one of them, from wherever they are, they will say, Papa! And they'll come running, and, and everybody knows this, that I'm their Papa. And I go, Papa, 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 Papa. And he go, yee, 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 yee. He's delighted to see me. Some don't. <laughs> Quite a few are not delighted to see me. Thank you. And he'll run, and he'll come, and he'll jump, and he'll embrace, and he'll say, Papa. When I walked into the church, he was on top and from the balcony, he said, Papa, Papa. He could have jumped, he would have. That's called intimacy. And that intimacy is not developed, not taught. That intimacy is there in the heart. It's expressed. Intimacy is expressed. If there is a thought and that thought is not expressed, it dies. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. And so just imagine before you were born again and after you were born again. Before you were born from above and after you were born from above. Imagine the number of neuron pathways that have been established in you and me. Imagine the number of, people are trying to kill habits, yeah? yeah on, They're trying to die to habits. You can never kill a habit. If you want to do away with a habit, start a new one. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. It takes about 21 days, they say, to establish it. But not only that, they say 21 days of seven cycles. So just imagine the work you and I have to do. That's called meditation. And if you read Psalm 1, and it speaks about, thank you, it speaks about this man who's in a meditative, contemplative manner. He says, the man who meditates, in Psalm 1 it says, the man who meditates, he's like a tree. He's like a tree. His leaf is green. If you can just right now cut your, slice your brain. Yeah, have you seen your brain? 
No, neither have I. But I've seen pictures, yes, yeah, somebody else can see. It, it, it's like spaghetti, right? Or spaghetti. How, how do you pronounce it? Spaghetti. Is that Canadian or the real phonetic? Well, I think the Sri Lankan would say spaghetti. So we'll stay with the, what is it? Spaghetti. Forget it. <laughs> and you can slice that or splice it. You will see that inside there could be dead branches. And that is what is firing us. Every thought, every thought in us is produced through us in some way or another. And that is why we have to take these thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Beloved, when you voice this word, there is a powerful communication taking place. And this goes into what is known as your motor fiber in the brain. And it transforms it. It changes it. And it brings life. It's, it's called protein. They call it protein. Are you with me? The meditation of his word brings life. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. And every bit of your stress, every bit of your problem, every bit of your sickness is related to one of these things inside there that is now dry. And I speak over your mind. I speak over your life. And I say life in Jesus' name. Because he came to give you life and life more abundantly. But none of this can ever take root. But there has to be a constant, and it says, renewing of your mind. It's a renewing of your mind. Because the mind is so important, beloved. And if you read any of these three people that I spoke to you of, in the, in the Christian circle is more to do with Dr. Caroline Leaf. If you, if you read some of her works or even go to the YouTube, you would find her presenting some awesome stuff there, pictorially. I didn't know that she existed until your pastor told me. We were talking about the mind and I was talking about these things because I learned it from some other sources and then he introduced me to her. And uh, immediately, I, as I always do, I go, I do a search, I do a research, I do a research of the research. <laughs> yeah, I don't know her, right? Yeah. And I've been taught in the word of God that I'm to learn from people I know. If I don't know them, Paul instructs Timothy and says, the scriptures that you have learned from those whom you know. Then I need to research and research and research. Why do I do that? And I'm sure she's not a, 
worried that I did that because I need to be certain that what I'm learning. So as the word comes to you right now, do you know that in 48 hours it can leave you and it would have lost its effect? Right now in your mind as I'm talking, you are reacting or you're responding, one of the two. You got to decide, am I reacting to this guy or am I responding? Am I going to take his word and I'm going to meditate upon it or I'm going to say, wow, what a word and then go out and then forget it. And you know what you've just done if you do that? You've created another neuron pathway, another branch that is dead. And what you and I need are living branches. Lord, I live by your word. Why don't you do that for the next seven days? Sing that. Over and over and over again, sing that. Read Psalm 1 over and over again for the next seven days, at least seven times in that day. Why don't you do that? And see what happens if I'm not telling the truth, if I'm not speaking the truth, because only the truth can set you free, nothing else. A doctor can tell you that there is cancer in your body. But that is not truth. That may be a fact. Don't allow the external facts to govern your thinking. Allow the power of the word of life to enter and reform and not just reform but renew and restore and bring life. Are you with me? I could have got up today and said, oh, well, it's okay. People will understand if I don't go for the meeting. I've come in at two o'clock, flying five hours from Sri Lanka. Now to fly five hours, I have to leave. I, I, I started the flight at 10 o'clock. I had to leave the home at around six o'clock. So that we get to the airport on time. And then fly. Now, don't forget, I've already got up in the morning. And I get up pretty early every day. And then I fly, and then I could have, you know, said, oh, I'll, I'll just rest at home. Well, life, well, I've given a promise to John, so I've got to keep it. A new covenant, mm, they'll understand. <laughs> no. Every morning, I would say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will arise, not saying, oh, backache, headache, this ache, that ache. Remember this, beloved, the way you go to sleep in the night is the way you will get up in the morning. And that is why it is important for you and for me when we... Go to bed. Just relax. Just remember this. He leads us beside still water. 
green pastures. Do you see your bed as a green pasture? Or some nice foam spring mattress? I'm not, I'm serious. I'm serious. How, what we perceive is what we will receive. Our minds need to be renewed and transformed by the, through the way of perception, what we perceive. So before you have it in your hand, hold it in your hand, it must be held in your heart. It must be seen in your heart. It must be seen in our hearts. So I see healing in my heart. I can only hold it in my hand. Every day I'm reminded this is what God does. You know what he does? He looks at his palm. Why does he look at his palm? Because Isaiah 49, 14 gives me the answer. I am engraved in his palm. Now, if he can look at me like that, then I have to look at you like that. In material of what I see, he, we need to engrave people in our hearts, in our palms. So because when, it's, when people are in our hearts, they're in our palms. And every day he looks at my photograph and he says, wow. Yes. Amen. And I go to bed knowing that. I sleep knowing that. And when I awaken, I know that. I'm alive. Hallelujah. Are you with me? That is why I am what I am. We live in the I am. And I've got to constantly speak this out. I can't just... Think it. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How does that thinking get transferred to becoming? Is when I voice it. When I voice it, I am voicing the creative power that will form what is in me. Are you with me? This is the mind of Christ. He walks into a situation. There's no wine. That word became flesh. That mind became flesh. And in the message it says, it moved in the neighborhood. The mind of God began to now activate in the neighborhood. So I read it and I see, wow, the mind of God. John chapter 1 from verse 35. A group of people come to him and say, where do you live? He says, come and see. Come and see. And when they come and see where he lives, do you think that they saw a shack or a hut? Or when you're coming down into Bombay, you see the, what is, what, what is that? Slum? You, you think he was in a slum? He was the eldest son of Joseph who was a carpenter. And the inheritance of Joseph belonged to him. And when they went there, they spent the whole day with him. And something happened. 
to the point that they run and they say, come see the Messiah. What happened? One of these three says this. The three people I quoted says this. When minds are fired together, they are wired together. And that's why we need to wire together. How do we wire together when we fire together? We need each other. We have to encourage one another daily. We are not to poke and point fault. I need to have the ability to see the glory in you. Not your fault. I need to see the glory in you. And believe me, I don't care what you are right now. What your state is right now. Because my, my honest heart is not to police you, but to pastor you. But we are in this state, the church is in the state of policing people. Looking for the fault. You want to find out what a true fast is, go to Isaiah 58. It says, stop this finger pointing. And I need to live in this way. Stop finding faults. Stop finger pointing. I could make a, a let's say a hundred right things. You'll still be able to find one fellow. And that's the very thing you'll harbor on. That's the very thing you and I will harbor on. That, that one thing. David says in Psalm 27, one thing have I desired, that will I seek after. In the same way, we do it the negative way. He says that one thing is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Paul says it differently in Philippians chapter 3. He says, one thing, I forget the past and I will to the field. No, one thing I will never forget is what you did to me. Because my mind has been wired with error. And so when I'm in error, I will only think error. But when I'm in truth, I will only think truth. And what is the truth? She is a new creation. For me to know the truth and be set free. That's what Jesus said in John 8.32. When I need the word of life. This needs to come in. And my mind. Where is it? In the spirit. For God has not given to me the spirit of Fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Are you with me? You sure? Hello. You are wired to love. You are wired to love. And you are wired to succeed. Love never fails. Amen. If love never fails, beloved, then you and I can't stop loving people no matter what they do. And for that to happen, there needs to be forgiveness. 
Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. I can look at a number of people and pull out that through surgical operation. Pull that little fellow. And I need to do that. But first let me pull the log out of my eye. It doesn't say don't take that little thing out. But first take this one out. I, see this is the mind of Christ. The way he taught. Is the way he taught. And so he goes into this party. There's no wine. Praise the Lord. Thank God there is no wine. These, these guys, they should never have had this. And then you get the spiritual guys who say, well, actually, that was not the wine. That was the first fruit of the grape. <laughs> God bless them. Notice the conversation. This is chapter 2 of John. Yeah? Notice the conversation. Um, so and so. Yeah? Judah, uh, the bridegroom, there's no wine in the house. Uh, Yeshua, can you please? Now, why does she come to him? Why doesn't she go to the brewer? Yeah, go down the lane, the brewery. Maybe El Shalom brewery. Or down in Goa, you get Mary and mother, Mary the mother and Jesus wine. <laughs> I, I'm not joking. I got a bottle one day from there. <laughs> Maybe go down there. You will. Yeah. And she comes to him. Come to me. And I will give you rest. And he says, my hour has not yet come. Mm. I'll do whatever he tells you to do. She doesn't care. <laughs> this is my bacha. This is my ben Yeshua. She knows the mind of Christ. And within matters of moments, there are six gallons of new wine. The mind of Christ. That becomes the first sign of a glory, of a miracle. Are you with me? The mind of Christ. Not condemning, not saying serves them right, but bringing life, bringing life where there is death. Because he can only think life. Because heaven is only life. Heaven is only probabilities. Because heaven is a quantum sphere. And quantum sphere, quantum is, is simply this, an observer observing the probability. And through observation, collapsing it into a reality. So there are probabilities in the negative, there are probabilities in the positive. 
a quantum person like you and me. We are quantum people. We have the ability to the mind of Christ to detach ourselves and observe the probability and collapse it into a reality, into an actuality. We can produce miracles. We create miracles. We can turn water into wine. We can allow people to be with us, just be with us and see us. We don't need to preach to them. But if we are walking in the realm of the quantum, if we are walking in the realm of heaven, which is the quantum realm, then you and I have the power to collapse the probability and make it an actuality. So I don't care right now what you're going through, what your situation is, what your physical ailment is. I came here wanting to, to, to speak into your digestive system. I don't know, there may be some people here having some very bad issues in the digestive system. But then some, there was a testimony about it, about inter, intestines or whatever. So I said, Lord, mm, now what? Speak it. So if there's anyone here with gastrointestinal problems or some kind of digestive problem, then I declare you healed. Are you with me? I want you to take your problem. It's real. Your problem is not real. But that is fake news. That is fake news. The news that I have for you is that your problem can be dissolved and can be absolutely collapsed and released into an actuality of heaven coming in. There are no solutions in heaven. Yes or no? Hello? No solutions in heaven. Why? Because there are no problems in heaven. There are only probabilities. And listen to this. These probabilities are positive. They are not negative. So from today, know that there are dry branches. And we are going to see that we speak life to them. I'm like a tree by a stream. I'm bearing fruit. My leaf is green. All that I do is prospering. Oh Lord, let's have the band up. Come on.